Once upon a time, long, long ago. Well, more like 20 years ago. Belle married her beast in front of 6,000 of their closest personal friends. <laughs> Big cake. Yeah, so instead of a honeymoon, Beast united all of the kingdoms and got himself elected King of the United States of Oridon. He rounded up all the villains and sidekicks, basically all the really interesting people, and he booted them off to the Isle of the Lost with a magical barrier to keep them there. This is my hood. No magic, no Wi-Fi, no way out. Or so I thought. Welcome to the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. This is the podcast that seeks to catalog all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses-to-be. I am Christy, and I am here with my friend and co-host, Brie. Hello! And we are here to talk to you today about Disney Descendants. So this is our, our first Disney movie on the Bad Princess Movie Podcast, and not yeah. one that anybody was expecting. Wait, wasn't Twitch's Disney? Oh, I guess. Oh, fuck. Never. Oh, oh. no. We're off Disregard. to a good start. <laughs> Dis- <laughs> d- Disregard everything I just said. <laughs> oh, <God. sighs> but yeah, this is a 2015 Disney Channel original TV movie. And it was actually choreographed by Kenny Ortega. And Kenny Ortega, if you're not familiar, he's an American producer, director, and choreographer who previously worked on Newsies, Hocus Pocus, Dirty Dancing, and the High School Musical Trilogy. Ah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Disney Descendants stars Dove Cameron, who was previously in Disney Channel's Live and Maddie, as Mal, the teenage daughter of Maleficent, who herself is played by Broadway alum Kristen Chenoweth. I I was watching and I saw her and I'm like, wait a minute. I know who that is. <laughs> I don't recognize any of this cast except I do absolutely recognize her. Mm-hmm. It probably probably helped that we've heard uh, Kristen previously on uh, the Strange Magic episode that we covered, where she was uh, the yes. Sugar Club Fairy. Ah, uh, yes. Her, her illustrious return. Mm-hmm. Yes. Disney Descendants uh, led to two further sequels. Um, the most recent sequel was released in August of 2019, and all three Disney Descendants films were actually filmed in BC, Canada. Woo! <laughs> I believe that. That sounds right. Mm. That that sounds right. <laughs> I didn't I didn't recognize any of the locales, like I definitely have for some other things, but yeah, that feels right. Now, um, it's pretty much assumed that the Disney Descendants franchise popped up as a result of Mattel's Monster High doll line, which was released in 2010 and had characters based off the sons and daughters of famous monsters. Uh, Mattel would go on to release Ever After High in 2013, which were dolls based on the sons and daughters of famous fairy tale characters. So the assumption is that Disney saw the success of those doll lines and wanted a piece of that pie, and thus the Descendants franchise was born. So in addition to the films, there's also an animated series, there's a line of books, and of course, their own doll line. I thought they felt familiar, because I definitely worked, I worked at Toys R Us when Monster High came out, and I think just as ever after High was coming out, I 
I was when I stopped working at Toys R Us. But then it was like, oh, and then there's these other ones. Yeah, it's. I I was aware of the franchise. I didn't know that there was movies. I knew there was toys, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, I I I feel like the toys are probably how I first found out about the movies, just because uh, there's of course a Disney store in the local mall, and I you know you could see the advertisements and the hype building up to the the premiere of the movie and all of the toys out in the store. Um, so I I'm pretty sure that I took a look at the films pretty early pretty soon after they they were released. My first time watching them, holy shit, that was <laughs> I I so I would consider myself a Disney fan. Um uh-huh. probably not as hard as hardcore as some. Um but I you know, I like Disney animation. When I first, my first impression of the Disney Descendants movie, I honestly was like, I had a hard time getting through just the first 20 minutes because just the premise of this movie say. alone. Yeah. 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 The premise of the movie alone was so fucking hard to get into. Uh-huh. I, I think. I remember I actually had to like pause and I had to go do something else because I was like, oh, I don't know if I have the patience for this. <laughs> I don't know if I have it in if I have it in me to watch this one. That's yeah. that's something coming from you. Yeah, it was just, and, and I mean we'll pro- we'll get into it. I'm sure when we get to the discussion. Oh yeah. Part, but it was just, it like it was. I mean, it didn't help that I saw this shit when it was. I was way beyond the target demographic. Yeah, the, tar- the target demographic of eight-year-old girls. Yeah. Six to eight-year-old girls, yeah. Which is, for some reason, this movie, more than a lot of the others that we've watched, I feel so fucking old watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. There is a certain, like, yeah... There's a like, certain something to it that I believe one of my first notes is I'm mesmerized, I'm confused, I'm old. I d- like. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. That should have been the tagline for, for this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sums it up good. It's just I now that I've seen the movie a few times, I'm I'm kind of warmed up to it, to be honest. But it, I still, I when I watch it, this I feel like this is not th- this film was not made for me. No, there was never any intention that somebody like me should like this film or was is expected to. So I guess keep that in mind when you're listening to us talk about it. Is that these are the opinions of two. 30 something yeah year old 30 year old ladies yeah (laughs) it's sort of because a lot of a lot of kids movies do sort of have angles or or bits in them that are really you know meant for even their parents to be watching with them like there's a little bit Mm -hmm. of something there for adults and this one just it makes it's like nope I know what I am, and I am mm-hmm. a movie for young people to watch, like little yeah. little kids. So they will watch this, and they will want the toys. And mm-hmm. it's like, all right. I yeah. mean, you know what the- you are. 
yeah, this is not for you, mom and dad, and I don't give a shit <laughs> yeah. if you don't like me because I don't, I'm not for you. And I don't that, care. And that ties in perfectly with the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Doesn't matter what you want, mom and dad. I know what I want. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hell yeah. All right. Sure. <laughs> On that note, Brie, <laughs> is it time to go through the ludicrous speed summary of this movie take us away christy to the kingdom or the 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 usa the The united United states States of of oregon yeah oregon yeah all right let's get into it Twenty years ago, Belle married the Beast. Instead of a honeymoon, the Beast united all of the kingdoms and was elected King of the United States of Oridon. All of the villains and sidekicks were rounded up and placed on the Isle of the Lost, with a magical barrier put in place to keep the villains there. On the Isle of the Lost, there is no magic and no way out. In present day, Prince Ben, the 16-year-old son of Belle and the Beast, is about to be crowned King. As his first official proclamation, Ben has decided he wants to give the children of the Isle of the Lost a shot at normal life by inviting them to live in Oridon. Who are their parents? Corella Deville, Jafar, Evil Queen, and Maleficent. On the Isle of the Lost, we are introduced to our main cast. There's Jay, the thieving and rowdy son of Jafar, Carlos, the dog-fearing son of Cruella, Evie, the vanity-focused daughter of the evil queen, and Mal, Maleficent's daughter, and the leader of the villain kids who all proclaim themselves as rotten to the core. Maleficent brings her daughter news of Ben's proclamation, and more importantly, how they can use the opportunity to take over the world. By finding the fairy godmother's wand, Mal can use its magic to break the magical barrier on the Isle of the Lost and free all of the villains. The Evil Queen gives Evie a shard of the magic mirror, which they can use to find the Fairy Godmother's wand, while Maleficent gives Mel her spell book. The villain kids are sent on their way on a magic limo ride through the island's barrier. The villain kids arrive at Oridon Prep, their new home and boarding school. They are welcomed by the Fairy Godmother, Prince Ben, and Prince Ben's girlfriend, Audrey, the daughter of Sleeping Beauty. While there's some obvious tension between Mal and Audrey, Ben and Mal seem to hit it off. Later that night, after the villain kids have gotten settled into their dorms, they attempt to locate the fairy godmother's magic wand. Evie's mirror reveals that it's kept in the Museum of Cultural History, among other artifacts like Aladdin's lamp and Sleeping Beauty's spindle. The villain kids manage to break into the museum and come close to stealing the wand, but they trip an alarm and are forced to flee. Unfortunately for them, this means that they'll have to attempt to blend in and Ordon prep while they wait for another opportunity to steal the wand. Jay's boisterous nature means he's a good fit for Aradon's rugby-esque tourney team. Meanwhile, Evie tries and fails to get in good with Prince Chad, Cinderella's son. And Carlos ends up bonding with Dude, a stray dog. Mal, who is the most focused on fulfilling her mother's scheme, sets her sights on Jane, the awkward daughter of the fairy godmother. Tapping into Jane's insecurities, Mal convinces Jane to beg her mother for a full makeover using the magic wand. If your mom does decide to, you know, break out the old wand, 
Invite me. If I can convince Mom, you're so there. While Fairy Godmother doesn't buy Jane's argument, the villain kids do find out that Fairy Godmother's wand will be used in Ben's upcoming coronation. Mal decides that the best way to get close to the wand during the coronation is to cozy up to Ben, which she plans to accomplish by usurping Audrey's position as his girlfriend. Using the spellbook, the villain kids mix up a love potion, and Mal gives it to Ben disguised as a cookie. In front of an assembled crowd, Ben dumps Audrey and publicly declares his love for Mal. Mal and Ben go on a date, with Ben taking her on a romantic picnic by an enchanted lake. The two talk, and Ben tells Mal that when he looks into her eyes, he can tell she's not evil. While Ben takes a dip in the lake, Mal finds herself feeling guilty and conflicted. Later that night, Mal tearfully makes another potion, this time an anti-love potion that will break the spell on Ben. Mel plans on giving it to Ben after stealing the wand, not wanting him to be under the spell when the villains arrive to take over. Parents' Day arrives at Oridon Prep, and unfortunately things take a bad turn when Queen Leia, Audrey's grandmother, recognizes Mel as Maleficent's daughter. Queen Leia angrily reams Mel out, as Maleficent's curse caused her to miss out on the first 16 years of her daughter's life. Prince Chad fans the flames further, antagonizing the villain kids into starting to fight with him. I feared something like this would happen. This isn't their fault. No, son. It's yours. Seeing this as proof that the villain kids can't be changed, the parents and other students ostracize the villain kids. This emboldens the villain kids, and they once again commit to their plans to steal the magic wand. The day of the coronation arrives. On their way there... Mal gives Ben a gift, a brownie with the anti-love potion, with instructions to eat it after the coronation. Much to her surprise, Ben reveals that he knows the brownie contains an anti-love potion. Ben explains that the enchanted lake that he swam in on their first date negated the effects of the love potion. So then what, you've just been... faking it since then? I haven't been faking anything. The coronation begins, and Ben approaches the altar, where Fairy Godmother awaits with the magic wand. As Fairy Godmother declares Ben king, a hand reaches out and grabs the wand. A struggle ensues, and unbeknownst to those at the coronation, the barrier around the Isle of the Lost is broken. Seizing the moment, Maleficent escapes the island and begins making her way to the coronation. Only then is it revealed that Jane is the one who grabbed Fairy Godmother's wand, wanting to use it to become beautiful. Mal wrestles the wand away from Jane and orders everyone to stand back. You really want to do this? We have no choice, Ben! Our parents- Your parents made their choice. Now you make yours. Mal and the other villain kids agree that they don't want to take over the world and be evil. At that moment, Maleficent arrives and casts a spell to freeze everyone in place except for the villain kids. Maleficent chides Mal over Ben, telling Mal that falling in love isn't what she wants. In response, Mal calls out her mother for never actually asking her what she wants. Mal tells her mother that love is not weak or ridiculous, that love is actually amazing. Maleficent is furious and transforms into her dragon form and begins attacking Mal and the villain kids. 
Using Fairy Godmother's wand, Mal is able to call upon the power of the friendship and love between her and her friends to cast a spell on Maleficent. Maleficent shrinks into the form of a tiny lizard, which, after being unfrozen, Fairy Godmother explains as Maleficent having shrunk to the size of the love in her heart. Fairy Godmother congratulates the villain kids, proudly declaring that they've passed their Goodness 101 class. The rest of the crowd is unfrozen, and Ben and Mal are reunited. Mal makes amends with Jane, and even earns a curtsy from Audrey. Maleficent the Lizard is captured, and the barrier is reinstated on the Isle of the Lost. The film ends with a dance party at the school, with everyone happily dancing together, while Jafar, the Evil Queen, and Cruella all watch fireworks on the Isle of the Lost. Oh, <laughs> I was having so much fun, I almost forgot. You didn't think this was the end of the story, did you? The end. And if you thought that was a longish summary, that's because this movie is two hours long. This is. Oh my god, is it really? It is. This movie is almost two hours long. Oh my god, I yeah. did not even clock that. It's a, it's a long one. <laughs> God, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I put you through this. <laughs> well, like you said uh, uh, earlier, um, in the first 20-ish minutes of this film, I was I was worried. I was worried I was going to watch this film and be like, Christy, I don't know about this one. Because it's yeah, just, like, it wasn't quite gelling in my mind. Like, it was just, was it just a unpleasant experience to the point that you didn't know if you would be able to have a discussion around it? No, it honestly felt it honestly felt like I like this was going to be just a film that like I couldn't have much of an opinion on because I'm not the audience for it and that hasn't stopped me for any of the rest of the, the movies we've watched on this podcast but yeah something about this one i was just like i know who this is for and it's not me and i feel like i can't say anything <laughs> because there's yeah. just nothing in me that's like you know like it's it's hard to critique when you know that this, this like, probably there, works this, really well for certain people. Yeah, like this movie, this movie for sure has its fans. And it's like, I can't, yeah. I, I could understand why. Like, this is probably the film that if, if we both saw this when we were at the, in the target demographic, we probably would have loved this shit. Hell yeah. But it's yeah. definitely, the lens of adulthood on this one is, is probably... Not doing it any favors what? for us. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Not at all. Because, I mean, the fir first thing, again, I mentioned this in the intro, the premise to this one throws me off so much. Even, even after seeing it a few times, the idea that the, the now human form of the beast set up an island prison to hold every <laughs> Disney villain in existence, including their families, is so fucking bizarre. And it's not even, like, it's shown that that island is full of people. Like, it's not just, like, yeah. their families and that's it. Like, there's a whole 
town that just lives in in squalor. Cause well, that that's like <laughs> that's the thing is that it's not just the main villains; it's it's their families, and it also is like the henchmen, the henchmen, of the, villains, the henchmen's families. Like everyone was like, if you were connected to these villains, you are yeah. on that island now, and just what? living yeah. in like these rundown buildings. Everything is just it it's busted and broken and you yeah. live on that island for the rest of your life, the rest of your children's lives. That's it. Well and it's like <laughs> what the fuck? There and the thing is too, and the movie doesn't really bring this up, but it said that this whole the prison island was set up twenty years ago and we find out that Ben is 16. So my assumption is that the other characters are supposed to be around 16 too, which means that these kids were born on this island. Yeah. The yeah. only life they have ever known has been living in this squalor, in this island that nobody can ever leave. It does not look like there is any sort of infrastructure to teach these kids anything other than how to steal, how to be a big jerk, um, how to spray paint, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, oof. And then they go to, just... like, they go to the, the mainland, and it's just, like, a, a night, like, a fancy neighborhood is really all we yeah. see of it, because they go to this school, but it's, like, these kids have never like been anywhere this nice. No, they they make it a point that the so the limo ride that they go on, uh, they get taken on, has uh chocolate and stuff in the back seat, and th it is specifically pointed out that this is their first time eating chocolate, and they yeah. go absolutely nuts for it. They've never experienced this before. Um, and even later in the film, we also see that uh, Mal has never tasted strawberries before. And again, it's like, it's this huge treat that, oh my god, strawberries are, are delicious. Yeah. They, <laughs> like, these basic things are denied to them on this island. It's, it's extreme. And like, when, at the very beginning, when Prince... Uh, ben. Prince Ben... Is like, I want to give, you know, their children the opportunity to, like, live here and not on the island. Everyone's like, um, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, we should just... Everyone on that island deserves to be there, even the people who were born there and never did anything wrong. <laughs> that And that's what boggles my mind, is that there was <laughs> wow. never... Like, did they just, they just put them all on this island and they've just left them there and nobody's even keeping an eye on it? Because- I guess not. Like, nobody's, nobody saw these babies being born and thought, oh, should we, should, I, I mean, oh, you know what, I'm saying this and it's like, I guess the alternative would be that they would swoop in and take people's babies. I guess. Ah. <laughs> Jesus Just. Christ. Yikes. It doesn't help that this is apparently the Beast's idea, or at least it's kind of portrayed as his idea yeah. to round up all the villains. Yeah. And here, and here's the thing: I love Beauty and the Beast. I, especially, I love the Beast. He's great. I love the arc that he goes through in his movie. Uh huh. 
it makes me so mad that this is portrayed as his idea that this is his doing that he has imprisoned these people <laughs> with no attempted rehabilitation that it's the beast's yeah. fault yeah <laughs> how dare you they call it out partway through the movie where it's like ben is talking to other uh, other people at the school not the villain kids and they're like yeah it's great that your your mom found your dad and he turned into like a nice guy but like some people's villains are just villains and it's like okay but also you locked them on an island with nothing um and have punished generations yeah it's it's just this weird thing where it's just like i guess they just expected that anybody born that that evil is 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 hereditary yeah anybody born to these villains even though when they were put on this island they didn't even have any kids but they just assumed if they ever do have kids, just leave them on the island because they're probably going to be able to. Yeah. Uh, just. <sighs> you, <sighs> you know what they should have at least done that it wouldn't have it, 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 it wouldn't have really solved the whole imprisoning people thing. But at least it would have saved uh, my boy, the beast from being <laughs> for it. Uh huh. They should have made Yen Sid from Fantasia be the one to do it. <gasps> yeah. Not only is he, like, somebody who's probably he, powerful He's enough, just a mysterious wizard. Yeah, he's a blank slate. Like, he, yeah. aside of Fantasia, he's appeared in, like, some of the video games, but that's, like, no, he, he was it. He was important in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he does have a character. That- it's just in Kingdom Hearts. Um, and I couldn't tell you what it is, because it's been a minute since I've, I've only played the first two Kingdom Hearts, and, yeah. uh, not the, not the rest of them. I, so. But he, I, you could absolutely convince me that Yen Sid is, is somebody who has the ability to do this to the villains, and also, again, he's a blank slate, so if you want to say Yen Sid is a big jerk who would, is willing to lock up uh, men, women, and children on an island and just leave them to their own devices. You know what? You go. I could see that. You do it. Don't try and turn the beast into a big, <laughs> a, a big jerk. Don't, you know, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Why would you do that to him? He's a precious boy. He learned his lesson. He learned how to live. <laughs> And I think another thing that threw me off, and I get why they did it for the film, for the sake of the movie and for the sake of the franchise and for the sake of the characters being who they are and being what the focus of the film was, but they show Maleficent. And Mm -hmm. she is, she's, they're like, oh, she was the worst of all. She was the most powerful of all. And in this, her character goes from being, like, like, when you think Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty, you think this, like, like, just this presence and, like, this threat and this this aura. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this, she's very, like, cold and calculating, but she's also got this evil but regal side to her. Yeah. She enters the room and all eyes are on her. 
Yeah, exactly. And then you see Kirsten Chenoweth pop out and she's just, she's goofing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, so that threatening and regal aura is just gone. Like, it's, that that is not part of this version of this character. But because it's Disney, I had this idea. I like I had the picture of Maleficent in my brain, and then they're mm. like, "Nope, <laughs> here's the Maleficent," yeah. and I'm like, "That's, mm, I, hmm, yeah." And, and I get it. They couldn't have made her regal and threatening and stuff like that, and still have this be funny, like still have it mm-hmm. land the way that it needed to. But it's still like, I was still like. Mm. Weird. I mean, I I feel like they could they could have kept her more serious and had the other villains be the ones that had the comedic relief moments. Because it, it definitely, like, it just, it kind of reduces Maleficent to, she, like, she, it makes her so non-threatening. And I feel like because everybody in this universe absolutely fears her, like, she is the big bad. And... By showing her as this really goofy character, you kind of, it kind of feels like, why is she so feared? Yeah, it's like, I, I don't, I don't get an, any threat off this character. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not a good person. She's not a good mom. But she's yeah. also like, I don't know. She's, they, 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 she's they, living like, in a her... rundown apartment with... With yeah, three other single villain <laughs> parents. I love that so much. Which is all, which is genuinely pretty good. I especially love the evil queen. Like she's, yes, yeah, she's, she's just making faces in the background of a bunch of shots. I'm like, yeah, all right. The the evil queen is played by Kathy Najimy, and if you um if you don't recognize the name, she uh she voices uh Peggy Hill from King of the Hill, ah. and uh. She's also one of the Sanderson sisters from Hocus Pocus. Ah, yes. I I love her so much. She was, I, she's I, great. I honestly wish that she was in more of the movie because yeah. she's just she's such a fun character actor. Honestly, I wish the entire film or at least maybe there should have been a spin-off where it was just watching Maleficent, the Evil Queen, Jafar, and Cruella be shitty roommates to each other. That's what I want to see. That would be so fun. And that in that instance would would be like, okay, this is just a comedy thing. And it's fine that they're just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, can't you can't you just imagine them getting into arguments over like (laughs) eating each other's groceries? Doing the dishes. Yeah. Well they have like a like they have like an old fridge there, like an old blue fridge, and in those like refrigerator magnet letters, it just says "Revenge on the Fools" or something <laughs> on the fridge, and it's like, I want to know what this day to day life is like. Yeah, I want that series. That's I I just want that so much. It's funny oh. that that's what we relate to. Yeah, these, well, these, I mean, we can't relate to the sixteen year olds anymore, so now we're relating to. The- yeah, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> Related to these burnt out villains. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yep. Yep. Oh, just. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that was sort of the fir- one of the first big 
stumbling blocks for for my sense of disbelief for this film. Yeah, yeah. Was just Maleficent walking around the street in her full Maleficent attire and then just being a goofy, goofy character. Like, oh, yeah. But it's fine. It's fine. There's- That's what they needed for the movie. It's it's weird though because there's so there's a scene the scene with um Audrey's grandma so Queen Leah who yeah um, that scene again I that's probably my favorite moment of the film where yeah. she, she spots Mal at the parents day celebration and strikes up a conversation and she just kind of, she finds Mal familiar for some reason. And at first she's very cordial, but then once she realizes who she's speaking to, it's immediately, it's like the wound is just reopened. And she just starts going in on Mal about what her mom did to her family. Yeah. Like, like you can really feel that she was like, I am a, I am a person and this happened to me and this was done to me by yeah. your mother. And it's like, oh. This is way more serious than I actually expected from this film. Yeah. Don't you remember my proclamation to give the new generation a chance? A chance to what, Ben? Destroy us? Come on, you remember, don't you? The poison apples. And the spells? The spells. My daughter was raised by fairies because of your mother's curse. Her first words, her first steps. I missed it all. Like that's heavy. Yeah, I was a little blown away by that scene because I was like, they just sort of were hand waving most of it up to this point. Yeah, and then well, yeah, suddenly like- it's like, here's this thing, and it's yeah. uh, oh, shit. Okay. Because yeah, be because the villains are treated as either just non-threatening in general or just as like a flat-out joke, yeah. it's so easy to assume that they they didn't have any lasting impact in this world. But this scene with Queen Leah, Leia really reinforces that no, they did some bad shit. People suffered for it. They're are people who have been hurt by them that are having to now deal with the idea of, well, like, what if, what if those villains escape? Yeah. 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 It's, it's a, it's a weird scene because it's a, mm-hmm. a it's not a bad scene. It's a very good scene, but it's a yeah, weird yeah. scene in the context of the rest of the movie. <laughs> That that's the thing is that that's it's the type of scene that I'm surprised that they went there and I love that they did, but I'm still very surprised. Yeah, that it exists in this movie. Yeah, because yeah, the rest of it is just like even when Maleficent shows up at the end and everyone's like, <gasps> she just sort of like farts around a little bit, turns into a a big CG dragon. Continues to fart around, and then gets turned into a bearded dragon by the power of friendship. So uh, she she shows up, and she freezes everybody. 
Which is absolutely the wrong thing to do because nobody can stand still to save their goddamn life. Oh. So everybody's like, everybody's like trying to hold a pose so bad and Maleficent's just kind of going around the room and cracking jokes about people. Like she, she like, go, she thinks the beast is kind of hunky and she's like, ha, 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 and like kind of messing with his, his glasses and that. And again, again, it's just like, it's, it's just such a contrast to just her, how in the, again, in the original film, all she had to do was stand there and she had the entire room on edge but now she she comes in and she she's all wacky like haha the beast is a hottie woo doopa doopa doo yeah I'm, I'm evil yeah exactly it's like I don't I this doesn't mm, I get I get it because it's for the tone of the film but it's still weird yeah. it's still not not right yeah and I guess it's just this is one of the things that we're getting hung up on is that. Yeah. We we are comparing it to the original films, which I'm assuming based on the the premise alone of this movie, how the beast was able to un- unite all of the kingdoms of the various Disney films, that the versions of their story that we saw in the animated films are not meant to be the actual um, prequels to Disney Descendants, mm. because if anything, just for the the fact that there's not, like, a weird time travel thing involved. Like, everybody yeah. appears to be at the same place in society where there's, like, characters with cell phones and laptops and stuff, which yeah. obviously wouldn't really jibe with uh, the, the stories that were set in very clearly, like, medieval times. Mm-hmm. So, presumably the stories of their parents have some differences. So maybe in the in-universe, Maleficent has always been this wacky cuckoo villain. Yeah. And it's just it's it's just a shock to us because we're comparing it, we're forever comparing it to the, the animated versions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, guess. it has to. It has to be at some it some shade of that Con- considering that so many of the villains died in the original films yeah. i guess they're, <laughs> they're all back from yeah because we have we this is like a softer version of that universe where no one dies yeah and it's modern Cause, times yeah because the evil queen and maleficent alone should not exist because they no. both they both got killed in, Jafar in should stories. be a genie in a lamp. Uh, Cruella Deville is the only one that makes sense to still be there. I think. Yeah. No, she. Yeah. What happens to her at the end of 101 Dalmatians in the Disney um, version? Doesn't she crash her she, car? She she does, she's but never if I remember again? correctly, she she crashes, but she's just like, "Dang you, dogs!" <laughs> <laughs> And then she's you know, just out of the film. Her, yeah, she's get- like the weird one to be in this because it's like you've got <laughs> Maleficent, who is like ultimate evil, wants to destroy the world's evil, evil, uh, or mm. wants to rule the world rather. The evil queen, which is who's like, I cast magic and I, you know, am evil and will poison people to get my way. And then you have. Jafar, who, you know, wants to 
be the ultimate power and and steal the 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 kingdom from and rule. And then there's Cruella Deville who's like, I'm evil and I hate dogs. I, I hate dogs and I wanted to make a coat. I wanted to make a coat out of puppies, and that is yeah. undeniably very evil. Yes, yes, that is very evil. Mm-hmm. But also, it's not like she was trying to destroy the world or take over the lands yeah, yeah. or or rule the universe. She was just a, an evil person who wanted to kill puppies, and yeah, it's, that that's fucked up. But it's not it's not destroying the world. <laughs> you you know what I thought of. This this last viewing. Have you ever seen Home on the Range? I never did. So the villain in that one is a yodeling cowboy yeah. who uses his magic ability to hypnotize cows with his yo- by <laughs> by yodeling mm-hmm. to bankrupt farmers so that he could buy their land. I okay. I want to see. I want to see him and Disney descendants. <laughs> I want to see him. <laughs> be like you know like all the other villains are sitting around the card table and they're like so what are you in for what did you do and then, why and are you trapped animal- on the prison island yeah and then you know like you say maleficent's like well i cursed i cursed an entire kingdom and and yeah these other characters and then there's just alameda slim who's just like well i tried to rustle cattle through my magic yodel and then buy land undeniably evil but on a different sort of lower lower tier of evil with cruella do they do they not have prisons i guess not because like cruella probably could have just gone to actual jail (laughs) (laughs) you know like why is the prison island yeah well, and let's, it's sort of, she's played very strangely in this film in that she's played almost like she, I'm trying to figure out how to put this. She, she's like, she has a... some mental illness going on because she has like a stuffed dog that she talks to yeah. that she doesn't seem to acknowledge is stuffed. Yeah, she kind of is just like she's on a different wavelength than the other villains. Yeah. And, and her again, her whole deal with her son is that she's just taught him that dogs are evil and will kill him. And he's yeah. never seen a dog before. And like Oh okay. That wasn't her point in the film at all or anything. Um, it, it's kind of it's kind of great because that leads to so Carlos so everybody in the film kind of has a thing that they that causes them to open up and realize that they're like oh actually I like living here and, yeah. and Carlos is is that he bonds with this dog and it's kind of hilarious because once Carlos bonds with this dog he is never seen without it he is carrying yeah. that dog through <laughs> that the dog entire film for the rest of the movie. They are they are best friends now. He brings it to the coronation. Yeah, and he's just holding it. <laughs> and at the at the end of the film, they do a thing where when Maleficent turns into the dragon, all of the villain kids like have a moment to try and and contribute to the fight against her. So like Jay tries to 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 wrestle her, and Evie uses the mirror to try and shine a, a super bright light into Maleficent's eyes. Um. 
Carlos's contribution is that the dog <laughs> jumps up on Maleficent and tr- like barks at her. Yeah, they have clearly not like this dog doesn't have this this dog actor does not have a a, a mean little snarly no. bone in his little body. So he doesn't even he doesn't even jump at her and like be threatening. He just jumps no. into her arms and she's like, Neh. his yeah, his tail is wagging the entire time. He's, He's just, just a happy sweet to little see boy. Her. Just a sweet yeah. little puppy. Oh, so so good. ridiculous. And he even there's so before the parents' day uh, mishap happens is is a fairy godmother gets a Skype call with their parents uh, back on the island, and so that they could like see as a treat for parents' day. Yeah. Um. And the, and Carlos like angrily shouts at his mom about how like you always told me dogs were evil, but they're not. They're great. Yeah, that's <laughs> his whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like, it. <laughs> that that's his character arc. He learns that yeah. dogs are good. Actually, what what do you think about these kids were locked up on an island and. Because they were presumed to be evil by birth, and all it took was a dog. <laughs> it took him petting a dog one time, and he's like, actually? Yeah, you're wrong, mom. Dogs are great. Fuck you. <sighs> God. I, I liked... I, I liked Carlos, and... Yeah. And Jay also. Jay is also just kind of great. Yeah. He's just like... He's like, I can solve problems by being alone and punching. And then he's like, then the, the like attorney coach, which is the, the sports team coach is like, actually, have you ever heard of teamwork? And he's like, (laughs) whoa, teamwork. And then he becomes the biggest team player ever. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, yeah. Someone just needed to tell him what teamwork was. Yeah, and then he's these... just like the best kid. It's like, all right, these kids, all they needed was an option, just the option to be good, and they are jumping at the chance to take it. Yeah. <laughs> God, I think e- Evie. <sighs> Evie is my favorite character. Out oh, of she's all great. Of the kids. Yeah. She she's the one that I feel like she has the biggest arc in the film. I, yeah. So as the daughter of the evil queen, so the evil queen has raised her to be very status seeking, vanity obsessed, and also like kind of like a housewife vibe that you get. Like whenever they're talking, the yeah. evil queen is very much like you have to learn how to sew and to keep house to get a man. And essentially. To, to find a prince, like your yeah. goal in life, find a prince. Find a yeah. prince with lots of money and let me move in with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so once Evie gets to Ordon, the first thing she, you know, she wants herself a prince, and she initially is attracted to Prince Chad, Cinderella's son. <laughs> Fucking Chad. <laughs> Chad. <laughs> Chad. But um, so Evie finds out pretty quickly that chad is a big jerk who just wants to use her Mm -hmm. and she also ends up finding out that after after being taught by her mom to focus on her looks and that that's what matters most 
Evie learns that she's actually kind of smart. And she starts finding fulfillment in getting good grades. And also she starts uh, like a little fashion business, start making clothes yeah. for, for people. And it's great that she, like, she wasn't, she was never really pushed to do this by anyone. Like, Chad, I guess, was, like, the reason why she kind of gave up chasing after a prince, or at least, like, put it on the back burner. But she just kind of discovers, like, through happenstance that, oh, hey, actually, I'm, like, good at this other stuff, and I enjoy doing it, so I don't really need to focus on just getting a prince. Yeah, it's I I really like her arc in the film. I wish she didn't have to end up with Doug. Um, Doug yes, because I didn't mind Doug until he was kind of stalkery. Mm -hmm. And then it's like yeah. she's like, "Are you stalking me?" And he's like, "Kind of." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah." Doug, maybe back off a little bit. Doug being. He's the nerd character. He's the son of Dopey, Dopey. the dwarf yeah. from Snow White. But he's he's not Dopey. He's super smart. He's a big nerd. Yeah. Which that was another thing that like kind of back on the whole like we can't help but compare the our idea of these characters back to the original films. It's weird to think that Dopey had sex. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh no! I didn't even... You know what? My brain had not even put those two ideas together. Oh, no. And now I'm it sorry. has, and I'm... I'm sorry. <laughs> well, now I've passed the curse on to you. I'm, fi I'm free. I'm free. Oh. I know, pass it to every listener. You have it now. You oh, have there it. There we go. Oh my god. Tell the your only friends Dopey Dopey had sex. <laughs> Dopey fucks. <laughs> no. Are you okay? Oh my god. That one sounded like it fucking hurt. Ow! My oh lungs. My Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Dampier killed you. Oh, Christy, why? I'm, I'm crying. Sorry, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you know? Okay. Oh. Oh, god. Okay. Oh. Can I, Where were can we? I, can I, I gotta share my favorite, my favorite Doug moment, though. Yes. Is... So when Doug first sees Evie, he's in instantly smitten with her, and he kind of breath he stammers out this breathy "Hi ho!" when he sees her. Hi guys, I'm Dopey Son, as in Dopey Dog, bashful, happy, grumpy, sleepy, and Hi ho. Evie, evil queen's daughter. <sighs> I'm good. I'm putting it on Twitter. Don't you worry. He's like, oh. hi, I'm, I'm Doug. I'm here to help you find out. And then he sees Evie and he just, hi, ho. Oh, wow. What did you call me? 
<laughs> you know? Like, did nobody did nobody think oh of the implications god. of that line? Oh my oh god. god. Oh Incredible. Good. Oh. oh. Thing Okay. <sighs> you okay? The thing with Doug is that he's in the background of so many scenes and it gets kind of super weird. Yeah. Like, every like, time the again. main cast is hanging out, you can see him sort of lingering nearby. You're like, buddy. Mm. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah. That's weird. I, again, it's like, you kind of, the comment about, like, him kind of, like, jokingly stalking Evie. And plus, like, you, you kind of get the impression that he's not really well, not really super popular in this world. So it, it just... Yeah, I, I think it's supposed to come across as he's just like lonely, but it just yeah. it's just kinda weird. The one the one place that it really stood out to me is there's the scene where they've made the love potion, which is a cookie, and they all go out onto this sort of balcony walkway overlooking the school courtyard, which is where their lockers are. And it's the the yeah. four villain kids. And uh, Ben and Audrey. And then, like, Doug kind of follows them out. And then he just sort of lingers in the doorway for that entire scene. Like, the whole sequence, he's just also there. And no one talks to him. No one looks at him. No one interacts with him. But he's just standing there. (laughs) And you're like... Was he supposed to have a part in this scene and they cut it out? Or is it just meant to be him just like loitering nearby awkwardly? And that feels very like what a high school kid. That's that's what I would have done in high school if I wanted to hang out with people but didn't have the nerve to say anything. So it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But it's still kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that is like absolutely not only does it happen in real life, but I think we could both agree that yeah, we have both yeah. pulled this move on people. <laughs> like I'll just I'll just kind of stand around and maybe I'll wait to see if there's a, a moment in the conversation where I could jump in. And, yeah. Oh, maybe I could. Oh no, no, not yet. And oh, maybe not. Oh no, not yet. And then you just fucking stand there like a fucking creepo, but yeah. you're just like <laughs> like trying to fit in and desperately. But yeah, no. so it's. It's hilarious yeah. to see it play out on screen. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, I feel this and I've been yeah. this. But I've it doesn't this, feel yeah. s- super intentional for the scene. But mm. I guess it is. Uh, yeah. Because like, there's, it's, it's Ben and Mal in the foreground and they're having this like scene and this conversation. And mm. then if you look past Mal... Into the background, out of focus, Doug is yeah. just there. And he's I, just standing there, leaning against the doorway, doing nothing. I almost wonder if it was like, like, did they just want to fill up the background? And they were like, well, let's just get Doug in there. Because his actor was on set. And they were just like, yeah, just throw Doug in. Could be. We're, we're, we're paying him, so we might as well throw him in the background. Probably. It's also the, like... He's in every extracurricular because you see him in the band. Like the, the marching band is there at the beginning. He's mm-hmm. he's all over the place. There's always Doug. Yeah, it's, 
kind of incredible. It's kind of spooky. Like, what's yeah. he up to? Doug, please. Mm. I, on the note of Doug and, like, his heritage, we, I, something... <laughs> <laughs> one of one of the things to bring up in this in this movie is this weird undercurrent of the importance of parentage. Um because characters introduce themselves not just by name, but by clarifying to whom they are related to. Yeah, it's kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah, it's this it, it almost gives you the vibe that there's this really highly defined class system in this world based on who your parents are, and whether or not they are famous Disney characters. Yeah. So, like, you meet people, and they're like, my name is X, and I'm the the son slash daughter of these characters that you know. Like, the one girl who's like, hi, I'm Lonnie. And everyone sort of looks at her, and she's like, daughter of Mulan. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's like people, they expect it. They wait for people to clarify, like, who are you and why should I care? Yeah. And it's, I kind of, like, I I get, from the movie standpoint, the whole allure of this universe is to see the kids of famous Disney characters. And characters introducing themselves by their parentage is just the easiest way to convey to a younger audience who they are related to yeah it's just it's for the older audience again it's for people like us that it comes across as this really weird thing and yeah it honestly do you know what i would kind of love i wish that they would that they would do this is if we got a character who was unrelated to anybody famous and they were just like (laughs) I, I'm just the son of the peasant woman who needed six eggs. Son of Susan, who was there at the beginning of the song that Belle sings. Yeah. Yeah. I need <laughs> six eggs. That's too expensive. That was that was my mom. She had that line. Yeah. Yeah. Remember her? No? Yeah. Oh, well, oh. shit. <laughs> like just what's what's life for somebody like somebody who was unrelated to any sort of Disney Disney movie? Yeah. And is it like everyone in this school has some connection to one of the movies? Yeah. Or is it like there's there's the cool kids who are related to the Disney characters and yeah. then there's just like every other student yeah, like, is it just, like, a celebrity thing? Like, it's just, like, in our in our world how most people are normal, and then there's just, like, these celebrity kids that, you know, my pa- parents are famous? I, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of questions. Yeah. But no answers. Speaking of Lonnie, um, I feel bad for her and the actress who plays Jane having to wear those bad, bad wigs. You'd think this being, I don't know, a Disney production. There's, there's decent money in there. They could have gotten some better wigs. Yeah. Those were bad wigs. Yeah. You know what bugs me about Jane in particular? Um, oh, so- um, everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's so Jane this daughter of the fairy godmother is all self-conscious about her looks, primarily her hair. Um, 
The film makes it a point to show that Jane kind of resents the fairy godmother because while her mom is responsible for giving makeovers to other girls to give them their happily ever after, um, Jane feels that it's hypocritical for her mom not to give her a makeover and make her beautiful. Um, which, like, that concept on paper, I kind of like. The idea that she is self-conscious um, about her looks is obviously very relatable. And yeah. it's kind of fun to see the subplot that somebody from the good side can turn evil, quote-unquote, with enough motivation that good and evil aren't predetermined traits based on your bloodline. Sure, yeah. Um, what I hate about Jane is that they do the typical Hollywood thing where a character's quote-unquote flaws are mostly dictated to us through the dialogue so everybody talks and acts as though she's unattractive and she's just she's it's so insulting she's beautiful her she, actress is a yeah. beautiful woman what the fuck like Every, everybody acts like she's so homely. Yeah, it's just like, oh, wow, yeah. Mm. <sighs> if only you were yeah. pretty. And it's like, she's gorgeous? And I'm like, yeah. excuse me, movie. I, mm -hmm. I get what you're going for, but showing, like, a, a beautiful girl and being like, yeah. oh, she's... It's unfortunate that she's just so ugly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. all the little, little, little kids watching, like, oh... Like that's what you consider ugly? Like, yeah, it's it's so insulting. Even even before she gets her new hairdo, because this is the whole thing, is that she has she has very straight uh flat hair. It's it's the bad wig. It's like the flat hair that's all cut one length. Mm -hmm. And it's just not Which, like, it's it's a bad wig, so it looks yeah. not great. Yeah, and it's just the so Mal ends up casting a spell to give her like wavy beautiful hair, and and Mal is like, oh well, I can't do anything more than that. You'll have to ask your mom to give you a full makeover. She's like, she does the hair thing, and she's like, oh, I look, you know, and she's like, yeah, it's too bad I can't do anything about you know the rest of it. Um, and like clearly she's using this as like a a play to like make her feel mm -hmm. um yeah like she like it's really cruel to... it's like she's making her yeah. feel insecure and bad about herself in order to get her to get the wand from her mom the fairy godmother but it's still like like you see her jane and she's like looks at her and she's like can you do my nose next like yeah there's nothing wrong with this actress's nose like she she's beautiful like what a yeah and it's it's sad too because she immediately like uh, Mal changes her hair, and Jane sees it in the mirror, and she's like she doesn't even take two seconds to fully bask in her new hair. She immediately she's like, "Can you do my nose?" So it's it's like it's written very much that she is self conscious. She has had these thoughts for a while. Yeah, that there's all these things she wants to change, and again, that's very relatable, but. The choice of having such a, a conventionally beautiful actress in her role really does not help sell no. this part. No. And, like, I think what, with Jane being cast as just, like, a conventionally attractive white lady, is if they had cast anyone else and been, like, her flaw is that she's ugly, it would have been, like, um... 
this trait that is not this like air quotes default character air quotes heavy on the air quotes um that strays from the conventionally attractive white girl motif is the thing that makes her ugly would have said too much it would have like messed with what they were trying to do but they still like it should have been maybe some i don't know i don't know that's that's sort of where also i was like i get where they were doing with the casting but also it still sucks it is distracting that her thing is that she is like not beautiful air quotes when she literally just is like she literally is just like a conventionally beautiful woman Mm -hmm. and like and and to be clear too we're not suggesting that conventionally beautiful people can't also be self-conscious about their looks what oh exactly what we're bulking at what we're bulking at is how the script and all of the characters in universe how they all act like jane is ugly yeah it's, it's it's one thing if Jane herself is this beautiful person and yet she she struggles with acknowledging how she the ways in which she is beautiful and it's another thing where every character is like oh too bad about Jane and how she looks yeah it's the, it just could have been done better mhm i think i think it would have been a better point if she was played by somebody less conventionally attractive. Because, again, like, I, I like the idea that, you know, you're the daughter of of the fairy godmother, the one person in this world who could make all of your wishes come true, and how Jane doesn't understand why, you know, Jane doesn't understand the true beauty lies of Zoin. It's not, it's not that Cinderella was beautiful, and that's what got her her prince. It's that... Cinderella needed the extra help to get to the ball. And, yeah. it, it, you know, her... The fact that Cinderella is beautiful... And, and obviously, this is like, you know, the understanding of the Disney magic. Yeah. Um, obviously, being attractive does get you... Unfortunately, into... Uh, yeah. Being attractive does get you a lot of privileges in our world. But in the Disney world... We assume that that the, the message is supposed to be that it's not what's on the outside; it is, in fact, what's on the inside that counts, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And as we're watching that, like that's what we trust. We buy into this this idea, as unrealistic, unfortunately, as it is for our own society. <laughs> well, it is true. It's just yeah. societally a different story. Yeah, it's, I mean it's getting better at least as yeah. people as we as we are getting older. It's it's been nice to see that people are more welcoming of the unconventional what is considered unconventionally attractive. Yeah, and it's almost like it's it's I don't know. I guess that's the one good thing about getting older is that you get to see society change. For the better, at least in some in ways. some ways, you know, <laughs> in other ways. <laughs> I like that we went from talking about um, Disney descendants and dopey fucks to societally. Turn <laughs> 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 these. Oh God! Yeah, in the span of twenty minutes, we have a conversation. <laughs> the path that we followed. 
we're trying to make this point about how how uh, you know your your true beauty lies within, and about how that's not really that's something that we struggle to to actually acknowledge in our society. While in the same episode, we're also talking about how how don't be fucked. <laughs> Why does it? Why does no one take me seriously? Oh. Also, don't be fucked. <laughs> God, could it could have been done better? I could guess could have been done way away. better. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like. Uh... I well, you know, I was gonna say, I was gonna say again, it's for a younger audience. You know, they're trying to make shit simple, but it's like, you know what? No, this is probably one of the things that you kind of you you almost don't want to put the, these ideas into kids' heads. Yeah, it probably leads them on the wrong the wrong path. Yeah, like that's sort of that is a thing that should be sort of thought about more than none at all. Yeah. Don't let kids internalize this idea that they are anything but beautiful. Everybody is beautiful. Or or not even or that beauty is a measure of worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually not. that's yeah. That's yeah. the better message. Yeah. But uh there I like I like and by like I mean I don't really like but like the resolution to her whole thing is just like at the end after she's accidentally broken the barrier on villain isle and mm. caused all this stuff by grabbing the magic wand at the the coronation yeah she's just yes. like she gets grounded and then mal comes up and she's like your mom was right actually uh you're beautiful inside and out and that's yeah that's it. Yeah. Th- basically. I-, I do at least like that Mal was like, hey, sorry, fairy godmother. I kind of played yeah. upon your daughter's insecurities to make her do that. My bad. But yeah. also, Jane, you're beautiful with it, too. Yeah. And then she gives her, like, a finger guns and then just, like, backflips away. <laughs> Ollie's out. And she's yeah. gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's- yeah. I do like how, like, the magic wand, all Jane had to do was grab it. And it was yeah. like, instantly like, oh, time to put down the barrier. Well, it's it, it almost looks like she grabs it and then it just starts like, pew! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like she was instantly casting a spell as soon as it was in her hands. And it just wasn't even like a, a spell. It was just like energy was just like lightning out of this thing. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, kind of strange. It was, yeah, yeah. I don't really, I don't really understand how the barrier was broken just because she grabbed it. Yeah. But it's, again, it's one of those things that it's like, I guess we have to assume that the magic just went on the fritz. I guess because it was in the middle of something, and then she grabbed yeah. it. Why why would you keep the magic wand in a goddamn museum if it's this fucking powerful? I don't know. The whole museum thing was very strange. <laughs> they did not need that scene at all. Part of me is almost like maybe I should cut that out of the plot summary. <laughs> Cuz it really it only 
really sets i guess it gives us some time to kind of get a feel for who the villain kids are yeah they break into the museum mal has like an imagined spot song and dance with her mum, which is probably them going like we have to have maleficent sing yeah we have to have have just a a kristen kristen chen with musical number just her yeah yeah, like there's we there's we would be idiots if we didn't have her sing. So they do that. They end up tripping an alarm, and then they all have to run. And they're like, "Oh, now we gotta go to school tomorrow." What? And it's just it's very confusing. Yeah. To, again, why is the wand this ultra powerful device that apparently, if grabbed, can release all of the villains instantly? And number two. They trip the alarm, and nobody seems to follow up on that. Well, I mean, they trip the alarm, and then Carlos um, yeah. just handles it by answering the phone. Because yeah, the, the emergency it's, it's... phone starts going off, and he's just like, Nope, false alarm, don't worry about it. Also, it's the stock phone call sound, which, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I just, I don't know. I love that scent. It's the first thing I thought of because the last thing I heard it in was like it's the same phone call sound as they use in Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm like, is this? Yeah, yeah. Is that triggering something in your brain? Yeah. Yes, you're right. Oh my god. (laughs) I was like, man, this museum guard's gonna have a terrible night. Oh, oh my god. (gasps) Damn it. That would have been great. Oh, just the, it's, <laughs> the wax figures of all the villains in, on the second floor come to life. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. That's great. Oh, shit. Okay, that's another potential spinoff that we could do. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, even, yeah, like, so like you said, they do have the scene with Carlos to try and explain it. But I'm not going to lie. At the same time, I'm like, okay, but something tripped the alarm on the on, night that the villain kids first arrived. Yeah, on the all-powerful apparently fairy godmother magic wand. Yeah. So it kind of feels like somebody should have maybe like mentioned it or something. I don't know. Like, I feel like <sighs> yeah, it's weird that it gets glossed over, especially when they could have just had it so that they they just don't know where the wand is. That's part of what they have to figure out while they're going to school. And that's basically what they do, is that they end up finding out through uh, various characters that, hey, the wand is going to be part of the coronation ceremony. So, yeah, the museum scene really didn't have to happen at all. And given that this is a two-hour movie, maybe just remove that <laughs> chunk. Maybe they didn't need that little bit. Yeah, but I guess, again, you would have had to figure out a place for for, uh, Kristen Chenoweth's song. What did you think of the music in general in this one? I feel like... That's a good question. (laughs) I feel like it's perfect for the movie. And given that the movie is not aimed at me, it was not perfect for me. Yeah. But I can see 
I can see the High School Musical influence on it. And that's, mm-hmm. I'm saying that as someone who has also never seen High School Musical. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we're like kind of just out of that age group, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel like this, if I had been of the age group when I saw this, I would have enjoyed the musical numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're definitely not like timeless classic kind of musical numbers. They're very much like in 15 years People are going to be like, <laughs> oh, the mid 2010s, mm-hmm. like we yeah. are about the the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. I I do think part of it, at least, because I what I like to see in songs, especially in a movie like this, is that the songs have a point to the movie. There, I I like songs that show. That, that reinforce a story point or that they yeah. move the plot along in some way, whether it's like an emotional thing or again, whether it's just a, a story point that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And the songs in this one, aside from the song that Mal sings when she starts feeling conflicted about um, whether, you know, when she starts, it seems like she starts falling in love with Ben and she doesn't really know what to do with those feelings. Like I, I'm not huge on the song, but I at least I appreciate that moment that they like that's a, that's yeah. the exact point where you do want to have a song. Well, cuz songs are I feel like songs are meant to be and I can't remember I feel like I read this somewhere recently cuz I was watching things about Cats the musical on YouTube. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but um Don't it's worry something about it. <laughs> it's something about how songs are meant to be there because they are in moments where the character has so much emotion that they need to express and the only way to express it is via song. So it works really well for that scene where she's just experiencing all this like this emotional turmoil over what she's doing and what she wants. And that makes sense. And then the yeah. like reprise of it later when she's making the anti-love brownie or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel the, like it works well there. Yeah, the moment where they all just start randomly singing Be Our Guest at Parents' Day for no good reason, probably That's not, like, not. hey, remember how this is Disney and we have the rights uh, to all this song? Remember this? Yeah. Remember this song? We're not you want gonna... this remix of Be Our Guest? Mm-hmm. Well, here it is. Here it is. What Doug is, is there. Yeah, oh yeah, the always present Doug. I, I will say this so this is in uh, this is in Disney Descendants three so we're it's gonna be a while before we get to it <laughs> but but there's one song in there that actually I quite like because it's it's again it's that emotional story point um, and like the song is I I do find it kind of catchy so I can't say anything because it's a huge fucking spoiler but. I, I'm looking forward to when we get to that film eventually. When we when we get there, I will mm-hmm. I will try to spot which one it is. Yeah, try to try we'll we'll have to try and just remember that we had this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> by the time we get to it. I do have the note this movie is so long, which I think I made <laughs> at about the hour and forty five minute mark. So just before it ended. But it's a it's a long movie. 
I see, and I d- didn't notice the length, but I also I actually ended up I watched this across two different days, not like uh, purposefully. Yeah, <laughs> like I was just like oh, I'm kind of done with like this movie for a little bit, so I. <laughs> Which is like, it seems like a slight against the movie, but it was more, oh, actually, you know what? There's not really a way to phrase this that isn't a slight against the movie. Because it was just like, I was just, I'm tired of this. I want to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, o- I only really, <laughs> tired of this. I, I need to take a break. I need, to, I, yeah, I, need to, I need to rest. Yeah, I only really noticed the length because I needed to like I was just really busy this week and I'm like okay I need to know how long it is so I know how much time I need to take to like sit down and watch this and then I looked at it I was like two hours yeah all right like Christy what have you done Christy <laughs> no that's fine it's fine it's fine were Bree, do you recall was there a favorite moment or a favorite scene of this film for you? And I say this selfishly because I I I need ideas for what to clip from this movie to throw up on our Twitter. Oh. Hmm. So I, I mentioned mine already, which was the hi ho moment <laughs> with Doug. I guess the scene where um, Carlos is being chased by the dog through the woods was oh, yeah. <laughs> was extremely good, and then he climbs a tree to get away from it. And Ben's just like, dude, it's just it's just a nice little dog. His name is Dude. Well, and it, and it starts off where they're on the like they're on the tourney field. And, yeah, and the the setup is that. Carlos did not do a great job in the tourney game, so Ben is, like, trying to help coach him. Yeah, he, like, volunteers to, like, take Ben or take Carlos aside and, like, help him with his tourney skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I guess there's, like, no alternative. He can't just not be on the tourney team. He has to, you are on this team whether you like it or not. We will make (laughs) you a tourney player. Yeah, but... But um, dude is just this random dog that like Ben describes as like the campus mutt, and so all of a sudden like dude just comes running up to Carlos, and Carlos just starts screaming and yeah. runs the entire length <laughs> of the tourney field, and like you said, he just goes running through these nearby woods to try and get away. Yeah, which is I kind of feel bad for laughing because at that moment he's probably legitimately terrified. Yeah, for like his that. Life. That is probably a legitimate fear. That, like he would have and that makes sense but it's also just like he's, he's a, just a sweet dude, little puppy yeah dude is just like this little like scraggly looking dog that just yeah. just wants a pet yeah and then and then again instantly it's like ben ben is like no dogs are kind of good actually and then carlos pets dude and then he's instantly like i've only known this dog for five minutes but i would if anything happened to him i would kill everyone in this school and then myself yeah this is my child now yeah instantly that's it this dog is now mine i will protect him with my life yeah this is my son now (laughs) where i go dude goes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this is I've claimed him. 
<laughs> Again, he just carries him for the rest of the film. He must have gotten so tired during filming. Yeah. Oh, I gotta pick up the dog again. God damn it. Well, I think that's probably it for this one, eh? Yeah. Like, I feel like the longer I think about and talk about it, the kind of warmer I get to it. Yeah. Like, it's still... I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't... Like, it wasn't the worst thing to watch. Once I've, you get past I've, that hump of, like, it being kind of silly and the whole... The whole <laughs> generation prison, prison that they're in um yeah. yeah i i've seen this one three times at this point um all because of this this fucking princess movie shit <laughs> this is this is my uh -huh. life this is what i do in my spare time yeah i and yeah and i like i i'm not gonna lie i was kind of surprised because i found myself by the by the end of it i i was like all right you know what i kind of enjoyed this one like again there are those weird humps to get over but i think probably because i've seen it a few times i, I feel like i was able to suspend my disbelief a bit faster or at least just kind of yeah. ignore that part of my brain you know you know that the jarring parts are coming so you can mm -hmm. be like i already have accepted this and now i can just sort of see the rest of the film yeah, you just kind of start tuning it out a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I think overall, if we would you would you recommend this one for a bad princess movie night, Brie? Uh, I don't know. If only just because it's so long. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I feel like if you really if you if you're down to spend two hours on a film mm -hmm. and you feel like you might enjoy it, I feel like it's not bad enough to be bad bad, but it's like there's aspects to it that are kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of bad. <laughs> I it's hard to say. Yeah. It's a it's solid not maybe. <laughs> Yeah, it's not one that you should expect a lot of laughs from, but it's maybe one that is, I guess, you know what, if you've got a lot of Disney fans in attendance, yeah. make them watch this and just like, I think the entertainment will be watching them. And yeah, their yeah, there we the go. There we go. For a specific audience, this would be an extremely yeah. amusing watch. And that audience mm. is people who love Disney and people who love to watch people who love Disney watch weird movies about <laughs> Disney. There we go. <laughs> oh. Well, I think that's going to be it for us for this one. So, so, yeah. If you would like to see clips from this and other Bad Princess movies, you can feel free to look us up on Twitter at Bad Princess MOV. We also have an email, so if you want to send us a comment or a question or a suggestion for a princess movie, um, you could do that at badprincessmovies at gmail.com. And then we also have the catalog of princess movies, which you can find at badprincessmovies.com. Please, please check those out. And uh, remember... 
Christie's wise words. Dopey fucks. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll see you next time. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. I'm rotten to the core, core, rotten to the core. I'm rotten to the core, core. Who could ask for more? I'm nothing like the kid next, like the kid next door. I'm rotten to the, I'm rotten to the, I'm rotten to the core.